Welcome to the Influent Podcast, developing leadership, building success, and influencing society. For more resources, visit us online at influent.life. Hi there, here we are again for the Influent Podcast, and we have back again with us Michael Stevens. Hello. Quote, the Starbucks prophet, so sorry, but... Hey, until your name gets gets better than your moniker. <laughs> and Jim Mafuccio, my partner in crime. And uh, so uh, it's just amazing how what's happening in the earth right now, what's happening in us with this, just this hopeful paradigm. And I've been, you know, as I said recently, just been discipled by the Lord in the last three years and just at, pretty much at nights and, and just... He's talking to me, teaching me about my wrong paradigms and challenging all my paradigms. And so I wrote this book called Kingdom Horizon, uh, which we've talked about. And but Jim, I've just seen you know we've had uh, so much dialogue about this, and and I've seen just a complete transformation of your paradigm. And I I mean it's like you have a hop in your step, you have a life in your step, you have you have just I mean the Lord is really you know as we shared previously just taking you back to the beginning of some of the teachings he about the kingdom he's given you, but oh my gosh, and the the word of God is just alive. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like one of those seasons where just drinking from a fire hose, right? You yeah. open the Bible and it's drinking from a fire hose. So you and I have had a number of conversations and you just come in, you'll tell me you just kinda of go through a parable with me and it's like just jacked up, you know. Yeah. yeah. And so it's a so it's a fun season. Yeah, you. very, very exciting. Um very exciting season. So. so I wanted to jump in. And we're just we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about the parable of the wheat and the tares. You know what the heck? Right. What what the heck is the wheat and the tares? Yeah. You know. Yeah. So you came in. You're all jacked up about the wheat and the tares. So what the heck is going on with this parable? Okay. Well, a little background. Uh, you know, in recent in recent months, you know, we've been um, you know like last summer particularly when a lot of the a lot of these uh, prophecies were coming out about you know the, the blood moons and, and I mean there's just been such a string of things I, I, I couldn't wait for the fall to come and go frankly <laughs> so we could, we could get people you know get back thinking back to about business, normal life you know, yeah and, and things like that and anyway and I don't want to be you know trite about that but um, I felt like I, I get these phrases I believe are from the Holy Spirit and this, this one was you need to be tear aware but wheat focused and obviously, the the context for that is the parable of the wheat and tares. I mean, the wheat and tares are 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 growing together, but it seems like uh, all we've been doing is focusing camp. on what the enemy is doing. Yeah, let's study the tares. Let's highlight what the tares are doing. Right. And there's almost this expect expectation that a picture of this big weed field, not wheat field, but it's a big tear field. <laughs> and so, we, so your book, and I, I wrote, I I wrote my my uh, you know my my thing on your book. <laughs> You know my reference for, it. and I and I put in there that you know Bob's book is is taking a look at the field through wheat colored glasses instead of tear colored glasses, and you know mm-hmm. the end of the day the wheat's doing pretty good. And the reason that, that the wheat and the tares thing to me is so uh, it, it's kind of central to my the way I think. I, I think kind of in layers, and um, to me the uh, the Lord gave us clear teaching. I mean, there's a lot of teaching on end times which are like puzzle pieces that seem to fit together and sometimes don't, and sometimes we have an agenda and we try to force the pieces to fit together. But to me, the parable of the wheat and tares is the picture on the box. You can't put the puzzle together unless you're looking at the right picture. 
So, so in very simple terms, just a very few verses, Jesus gives us this, and I'm just going to read it uh, right out of his, yeah, his words, the red letters, Matthew uh, 13, chapter 13, starting at verse 37. Now, he's, he's, he's explaining the parable that he had prior told them, but uh, I think most people know that, but that starts in verse 24, so you can go back and read that for yourself. But this is, they specifically asked him, his disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. He said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the age. The reapers are the angels. There's the furniture. I mean, there's, there's the room right there. There's, there's the big picture. Um, so he goes on to say, Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his, his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of Out fire. Of his kingdom. Yeah, we'll get to that. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous, this is the weak, will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So, uh, Bob, you, 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 you picked up on something there that uh, it's, it's interesting to me that he, in the beginning of this parable, uh, first of all, when the actual parable is given and his, his servants ask him, you know, what's, what's up with these weeds growing in your garden or in your field? Okay, and, and so let's, let's just back up. So, so, because you didn't read the parable, but here's, right. we'll paraphrase. Okay? That, that little piece of it. Okay. So the, the parable is, so the, a farmer sowed, sowed wheat in the field. Then in the middle of the night, the enemy comes in and sowed weeds. And so they're freaking out, right? The angels are freaking out. That's evil in the earth, you know. What do we do? What do you, yeah. you know, pluck yeah. it up. And and the the, the response is no. Yeah. Let them grow together. Yeah. What? That, that, that was one of the what? phrases. That was one of the phrases that in recent is, months came alive. They let them grow together. God okay. God is tolerating evil in this age. He's allowing it to coexist. And and for his own purposes. You know, now yeah. he's not the author of evil. You know, but he's he he is you know I I won't even go so far as to say he allows it. I just to me I, I don't like that. But but he's he, he's tolerating it, okay? And it's 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 being turned to 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 our purposes even. But again, looking even at that phrase, let them grow together through tear colored lenses. You would say, oh yeah, the evil is getting greater and greater. Looking at it through wheat colored lenses, it's let them grow. That means you too, wheat. You know, get busy being the wheat. Be, fill this field. The wheat. So going back to Jesus's, yeah, be the wheat. Jesus's explanation is: it's interesting that he starts off with a field, and he's planting good seed in a field, and the enemy's planting this other seed in the field, and at the end, it hasn't become a field overgrown with tares where the wheat's you know ducking out in a corner somewhere. Yeah. It's become. It, he literally says. That they're they're being Pockets removed from out of my kingdom. <laughs> they're being removed from out of my kingdom. So the implication is this whole field has become a wheat field. Well, surprise, surprise. What do we think God's going to get when He plants wheat? Do we really think He's going to fail as a farmer? Right. So again, your book is kind of a snapshot in the process of where are we at with respect to the wheat? How's it doing? Yeah. I mean, we know we've seen a lot of what the tares are doing, but how's the wheat looking? And and, and frankly, we have a lot. There's a lot of acreage to still fill, 
but we're, we're doing pretty well. I mean, the wheat yeah. is God. I should say God is doing pretty well. And it, it's interesting that he, that he talks about it being the good seed because it's, it's in that same chapter in an earlier conversation Jesus was having. The parable is actually where the, the, the parable of the, uh, the, the, of the sower is, which is really talking about the different soil types. It's likened <laughs> to the condition of our heart when we receive the word of the kingdom. But I was thinking about just that phrase. It's good seed. So not just morally good because we're the sons of the kingdom, but it's good seed in that the good seed, when it's received in the right kind of soil, it produces some 30, some 50, some 100 or 60, some 100 fold. That's a huge return. So again, you look at, you look at, this, you look at the picture on the box, and the picture on the box is God started this thing on earth called the kingdom of God. And it, it's, it's a... It grows and it fills up this field, and at the end, it's the tares that need to be removed out of the field. Now, that's Jesus' clear, I know it's a 10,000-foot it's view, but it's clear teaching on the end. And so, that is, uh, it, so you look for the, for the two and three witnesses in Scripture, right? Well, there's the Daniel chapter 2, where, you know, the king saw this, this little stone cut with, without human hands, that crushed and put an end to all these other kingdoms, but in its, itself became a mountain that filled the whole earth. You think of the Isaiah 9, you know, the, the, the uh, prophecy of, of the first advent of, of Christ, where unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government will be upon his shoulder. And to the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That doesn't mean his kingdom will have no end alone. It means it'll never stop increasing. And it actually says from that time on and forevermore, and that the zeal of the Lord of hosts would accomplish this. So again, you see this progressive kingdom going from small to large, from inside to outside, ultimately filling the earth. And then you have, of course, the uh, other parables in Matthew 13 of the, of the leaven. It's like a little bit of yeast that a, a, a woman puts in three measures of, of meal. And it and grows Jesus, until it leavens the whole He, he commented, he said, that's the kingdom. These were parables of, of the, the kingdom, kingdom over right. time, which showed them... Right. Expanding, and so, and here, I mean, this is another little little thought that hit me. You know, you got a farmer, God, who plants a wheat seed. Is he going to harvest it as soon as there's a little bitty sprout? Right. You know, is he going to harvest it when there's one sprout, or is he going to let there be hundreds? And th- I mean, the truth is, he is not going to harvest it until the harvest is ripe. And Mark four, he he said, right, this is first the the king of the. The kingdom of God is like a man who sowed seed day or night and grows. He knows not how, whether he works by day or sleeps by night. The seed keeps growing, which is what I show in the book. And and then uh, uh, then, then he, he says, first the blade, then the head, then the full grain in the head, and then the harvest will come. He is not coming until the harvest is 100% complete. Yes. He is not coming because he is the whole point of planting a seed is the harvest. That's the whole point. And he is not coming until the the, the earth is is ready. Yeah. And the the harvest of the earth is absolutely completely ripe. And the primary function of that is the sons of the kingdom. Yeah. The sons of the kingdom being mature. That's the primary thing according to this thing. I mean it started out as a wheat field, you know, but then he says send the angels and bring the harvest from my kingdom. So the wheat field he now calls the wheat field the kingdom. The kingdom. Yeah, it's called it's the called earth the is called the kingdom. Yeah, it's called a wheat field basically because he's saying I planted the sons of the kingdom in the field, 
And by the end of the day, the field is the kingdom. And I mean, what, is, what do we see in Revelation? The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. And, you know, I mean, Bob, touching on what you, what you were just saying there, you know, the most quoted psalm in the New Testament is Psalm 110, where the Lord said to my, right, to my Lord, and clearly it's, it's, right it's Scripture interprets Scripture that he's talking about Jesus, the Son. He said, sit here at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And then it goes on to say, it, it talk about, for you will extend your scepter, your strong scepter out of Zion, saying, rule thou in the midst of your enemies. Your, your children will volunteer freely in the day of my power. This is a picture of, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, but we're on the earth. Jesus is not coming to this earth. He's under command of his Father to sit at the right hand until something. So we have to decide what's the until. Well, I think parables like the wheat and the tares and like the leaven and like the stone cut that becomes a mountain. And besides the fact that from the beginning, the mandate for man on this planet was to be fruitful, to multiply, and to fill the earth and subdue it or bring it into subjection which is bringing into subjection to the image bearers of God. God. Man was the image bearer of God on the planet, and God wants this planet to be reflective of him. And yeah. he wants this planet, he wants the wheat to grow and fill this earth. So I, I have this suspicion that Jesus is not coming back anytime real soon because he's not going to come until man finishes what it's man's job to do on the earth. Yeah. What Jesus, in, in uh, you know, we're given this picture in Revelation 5, again, of the, the scroll with the seven seals. And so Jesus appears, and, you know, everybody's weeping because, well, why would we be weeping? Why is there all this weeping? Because this scroll can't get unfurled, right? Well, it says that Jesus Jesus was worthy to, to do it because, because he redeemed us. He, he gave his own life, and he redeemed us out of every tongue, tribe, people, and nation, and made us a kingdom of priests, and we shall reign on the earth. So he, what, what Adam gave up, Jesus returned our place to, wow. to, the, to the original mandate, which is all about reigning on the earth. So, let's, so this is when he plants his kingdom in the earth, right? He, tell, he talks of John the Baptist and says, no, no, no one greater ever was born of a woman than John the Baptist of the prophets. But I tell you that the least in the kingdom is greater than he. We don't have a clue who we are and what we've got the resource to do on this planet. And this is what I'm, why I'm so excited about the future. And, you know, there, there was just this conflict inside. How could these end-time scenarios that, that, for the most part, I've been studying for the last 15 years and repeating the verses, but it's like I've been putting pieces of a puzzle together without seeing the big picture on the box. Yeah. And the big picture on the box is... That's why you have, like, 25 different end-time scenarios, right? <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and the thing that's most important that we're, we're to be about doing, we're not engaging because we're not thinking long-term because we're, we're shutting down. We're shutting down any kind of long-term plans. Yeah. So I've been asking people, what if, what if you could just mentally, in your mind, just play a little game with yourself. What if in your mind you could push out this cataclysmic end-time scenario thing that, you, that, that we've all been taught is coming? Whether we get out at the beginning of it, go through it, or whatever. I'm not even talking about that. But what if we could push this whole thing like down the timeline far enough to where you felt like me, my kids, and my grandkids can go full throttle and we're not going to bump up against this glass <laughs> cliff called you know, the end yeah. of the age. You know, and, and it's like I've had people look me in the eye and say, I, I'll ask them, I say, would you live life differently if you knew today that there's thousands of years left to go before this cataclysmic event that you think is coming which again there's even a lot of debate 
amongst biblical scholars as to whether that cataclysmic event is yet future or has already come to pass. We won't talk about that here. But if you in your mind could wake up and not believe, not have this impending sense of like, something's got to crash and burn here quickly and Jesus is coming back any minute. If you could push that out mentally, would you live differently? And is that way that you would live differently closer to what the parables Jesus teaches us about the diligent faithful steward, about the ones who didn't run out of, of, of oil before the, the end of the journey? And I think the answer, for me, the answer was, was settled. It was yes. And so I set out on a journey. Wow. I need to get a new theology. One that right. honors the kingdom. That, that empowers you to do what he's told you to do in the scripture. Yeah. And, and, Versus and, and it fits the picture on the box. Because yeah. Jesus gives the clear teaching on the end here. Now I know it's a 30,000 foot view. And as you look at the, as you expand down and, and, and look at it a closer look, there's ups and downs. There's, there are tribulations that have come and yeah. gone. There's, but, but we're not supposed to expect that things are going to get worse before he comes yeah. back. Yeah. I don't see it. Well, and I mean, clearly the wheat, I mean, in the parable, the wheat is maturing. It's clearly the wheat field is a wheat field. And, yeah. and so the kingdom is significantly coming. And now I'm personally, you know, I don't know how far we'll get. I mean, there's a lot of Christian reconstructionism and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, dominion theology. And dominion theology is like we're going to rule, you know, prior to Jesus' return. We're going to take over the governments and... And all this, and I'm I'm not of that ilk. Um, I believe that God's kingdom is already ruling and reigning. When you have, and I we we talked about this previously, and I encourage you as a listener get, get my book about Kingdom Horizon, the new book out there, which talks about it really paints a picture of what the kingdom is. But when you have greed being replaced by generosity, which is happening at a massive scale. That's the kingdom of God. The ways of God are coming. The the seed that Jesus sowed, the teachings of Jesus are gaining preeminence. Maybe they don't have his name on it, you know, but mm -hmm. but his his it's there if someone who doesn't who who doesn't follow the name of Jesus but still obeys the ways of God, the kingdom of God is still coming in a dimension. Yeah. In, in some dimension. And when you see that happening, we see slavery being eradicated. And, and it was majorly eradicated 200 years ago, and it's still being eradicated in its, in its, in its final vestiges. And yeah. when you've seen you know, wholesale business practices being adopted as kingdom ways, when you see poverty being, being, being eradicated, when you see you know, death being eradicated, it's like right. you have to say, gosh, it's, the, the, it's working. And so... I believe the kingdom comes by us being light yeah. and us being salt. And, you know, salt is, we think of salt as a flavor in our day, but in Jesus' day, salt was not a flavor. It was refrigeration, you know, because they didn't have refrigeration. Meat would last 24 hours. And when you salted it, you took the moisture out of it and it would preserve the meat. We're the, we're the preservative of yeah. the earth. We're the curative of the earth. Cured, preserved meat is called cured meat. We're the curative. And so we're the, we're the ones that have the answers for the planet. Love is better. You know, generosity is better. Integrity is better than lying, right? So we're, we're going carrying this with these ways forward and shining them forth, making them so attractive that people are adopting it. It's exactly what yeah, John Maxwell yeah. is doing. People are adopting this. It actually works better. It's way more attractive. It's, it's way better. Yeah. And, and it wins. And so people are adopting it, and then they're surprised when they found out, do you mean Jesus talked about this? Yeah. yeah. It's actually him. And yeah. so, so I believe the, the kingdom will come, you know, not in a cataclysmic way, but in a, 
in a growth a harvest kind of way where it just it gains increasing influence the, the the ways of God gain increasing influence in the earth yeah I think you said one of my favorite things I've been thinking about since you started going into the parable but that was that um, that the kingdom of God comes regardless of his name is attached to it or not and I was just thinking as I'm listening you go through the parable and that you have to love two things the humility of God and the leadership of God that he has so much humility he doesn't care if his name's attached to his brand or not (laughs) that his brand is not his name the brand isn't where the ministry of Jesus whatever the brand is husbands treat their wives better the product the the brand is the product and what does it look what does it what does it what does it look like when when his product fills the earth yeah that's the brand and the his level of humility that He's just happy his products out there. He doesn't care whether his name's attached to it or not. And the second, just the kindness and the Lord's leadership that, you know, it says that the tares and the wheat, uh, you know, sons of, were, were plant, they were in the kingdom, that they grew to maturity in the kingdom. And I, I don't have it in front of me. I don't know if it says it in, in Matthew or if it's in a, another uh, in, in another gospel, but it says that he leaves them, that he lets them grow to full, full capacities, lest they be uprooted. And I'm sitting here listening to you talk. And I'm just thinking of the kindness of the Lord that he protects the hearts of the righteous um, that maybe came to the Lord through a non-righteous manner or by someone who is putting on the face and pretending in order to preserve their heart and preserve their walk with him and their trust in him. He goes ahead and he lets, he lets both grow together to full capacity lest he expose and uproot that person right. Right. And then leave the other person's heart offended. I think of church leaders that fell oh, yeah. and all of the people that came to know God under them, uh, the immediate level of skepticism or doubt or, and I'm just listening, I'm thinking, man, the humility of God and the leaders, the kindness and the leadership of God through this whole thing. And the fact that the whole, the whole setup is linked to, Hey, here's my kingdom steward it, steward what I've given you, watch it grow to full capacity, and let's enjoy this thing together. Like, that's what that's, I'm listening. There, that's, that's exactly what Harvest I'm... produces finance, the harvest feeds family, the harvest, I mean, just thinking yeah, of all these it, things, and beautiful, beautiful explanation and exhortation of the, the parable. I really enjoyed that. And it's not even tolerate the tares, because if you really move into this, it really starts thinking about that dynamic of let them grow together. I mean, just pragmatically speaking, there are people on the planet that are not sons of the kingdom, but by their being in places of influence, it, it actually has a preserving effect on the wheat. There may be presidential candidates that, that, that are not of the kingdom, but that their place in, in, a, in of course, I'm not talking about our country, but their place of, of influence might actually do more to preserve wheat on the planet than having the Sunday school teacher run for office. I mean, we don't know those things. We'd probably kill Cyrus. No, you're not. We're not using your filthy lucre to build our temple. That's pagan money. Well, sorry, but he's God's anointed, you know. So, yeah. so there's this whole concept of of we don't. We're not even qualified to remove the tares, and I don't think we're authorized to just criticize the tares and pick it against the tares. I think letting them grow together is is beyond even toleration. It's Daniel didn't tolerate the the wicked pagan kings that changed his name and he loved it. He loved them. They loved stayed up at night hoping that yeah. he didn't get eaten by the lion. You know, the the, the uh, uh, Moses was raised by Pharaoh, and you know we we can see the cute little story and think, but I, I bet Moses had a deep affection for the person who raised him, 
He was Ray. I'll bet you know the, the movie probably did a pretty good job. That the animated one where you show mm-hmm. the affection between the brothers, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, Joseph is another one. You know, I mean, he completely changed his whole. I'm an Egyptian now. You know, this is what I do. They did. His his brothers didn't even recognize him. He wasn't like. I can't wait to get out of the camp of these old these old pagans. So I think being a lot nicer. I'm not talking about adopting the ways of the world. I'm talking about being winsome people that are confident that the kingdom of God is within us that we're ambassadors for the king, and that those little daily interactions that we have with the tares, you know, a lot that of them are going to be so good. come into the kingdom for one. That is so good. But we're going to leaven this thing. We're supposed to leaven this whole, and, and I do believe, I, I, I believe it goes beyond an individual, it has to happen through individual hearts, but again, I am really in, in deep study right now in prayer about even getting a, a, a theological paradigm which allows for this wheat field to completely mature for us to expect things like whole countries to change, not just people getting healed and raised from the dead and the supernatural workings. Of, I love all that. I'm for all that. Yeah. But, but businesses I, to change, how policies many people to are change. Long term enough to say, yeah. how do we change education in the world? And if we again, if we have this sense that there's this glass wall out here. I use that analogy like from the Truman, the movie The Truman Show, where at yeah. the end he's out there on the water and bump, he bumps up against this. Even if we're not like focused on the end times and the urgency or the hour and all of that, most believers have this kind of unspoken sense of limitation. We've got to be kind of near the end. And I ask people, yeah. what yeah. would happen if, if I could tell you that that wall isn't even there and you can take that motorboat and go, you can go full throttle for the rest of your life. You can have as much kingdom impact you can build. If you're going to be a business person, build a stinking big, successful one. Employ a bunch of people. Use kingdom values throughout. You know, preach the gospel. Use words if necessary. Let's us do the coffee shops that are excellent so we're not having to send our kids to the ones that we then, you know, picket because they support the wrong political people. You know, but we send our kids there to get trained because they do what they do with excellence. Where are the kingdom businesses? And I think a lot of them have been put on hold because of this urgency of the hour thing. And it's like, no, we're not going out and building long term. I, 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 I want us to build long term. And you know what? If I'm wrong, and along the way of being faithful and diligent and bringing a return to my master, it turns out that the end, you know, that the world caves in on me. Well, I would rather have lived my life being fruitful and productive. And you know what? I'm being kind of facetious because the Lord is good. The Lord will let us know what we need to know when we need to. No, know. I, I, you, I don't think, I don't think you have to discla- I don't think you have to disclaim that at all. I think it is what it is that. The bottom line is, it's not that you would rather live your life and be fruitful and productive. You should live your life Lust, yeah. and be fruitful and productive. It is, you know, it would be so sad to me as a parent if you had the ability to to pick and choose what gifts you would give your kid. Of course, most parents would just give them every talent they could possibly have and let them be good at everything. And then to see your child waste it right. because of a wrong concept of who you were. Oh, that's devastating. I mean, I have four kids and you have... Past little kids, you have a you have a pile, and and what if they all stalled out? They just stalled because of a wrong paradigm and of you, right. of you wow. as a dad. Right. That would be devastating. Yeah. I'm not going. To, you have an all star baseball player in front of you that could make it to the majors, or a kid who's crazy smart and could you know sleep through medical school and whiz it, you know. And instead, because of some paradigm, thinking that they. They think that you want them to do something in particular right. or that you're going to sweep the rug out from under them. They right. pursue none of it. Right. That would be devastating. And 
for me, one of the big paradigm shifts I've had uh, recently has has really been, it's been in the last few years, it's been from a lot of conversations I've had with people a few years younger than me. And it's it's been this whole concept of, you know, get wisdom, which this is wisdom, thinking long-term, building, uh, being established, growing something, going back to school if that's what your industry needs, whatever it is, that's wisdom. Wisdom, planning, thinking long-term, plan where you want to be in 10 years, 15, 20, 30 years, and it's okay to do so. Go ahead, build, you know, dream for your life. And whatever you do, don't get 20 years down the road and have regrets about what you should have done or what if you could have done this. Be excited about risks and failures you you did along the way. Anyway, I'm listening to this. I get excited listening to you talk about the parable, not just for me, but for other people I've spoken to, for my kids, and and just really excited about the next 10 years of my own life and stewarding the gifts God's giving me and just wondering what level of potential how can i optimize what what's my ceiling yeah in god yeah. over the mm-hmm. not in god in missions what's my ceiling financially i can hit in the next 15 years because i've stewarded as a gift in sales god's given yeah and that, that, that way of thinking years. exactly and that way of thinking right there is is it shouldn't be but it's novel it, it's 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 be, it's being renewed we all need to be really thinking like that and, and there because there really isn't a ceiling I mean, this is, I've been getting all these what if questions, you know, and like, what, what, what do we feel we need that God hasn't provided for us to be all that we can be? Okay. He gave his life. He died. He lives inside of us. We have his, we have his word. We have history. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. I don't know. And he's, he's got all authority and he's authorized us as his, yeah. as his people on earth. I don't know what we're waiting for. What, what would we think that we need to wait for him to come back bodily for to do when it's very clear through Scripture that no, you're you're it, you're what I've decided, you're whom I've decided to use on this planet, and it's not using you like I invested like everything in you. This is how I grow you up as sons and daughters, so that we can go on and do other great stuff that I haven't even told you about. Yet. Yeah, and I you think know? the I think the what if question that I know I asked for a long time, and that most people ask, and is you know it's the there's two what if questions. There, what if this happens? What if it doesn't? doesn't. <laughs> you know, well, what if this happens? What if I what if I do this? What if you don't? Yeah. And I think the riskier question in the whole thing is what if whatever you're thinking is gonna happen doesn't right. happen? Yeah. And what if you don't act on what God's given you to act on in your life? Exactly. Do you and it, I'm not even I don't even think of this honestly as like uh end times judgment, you're before the Lord, why didn't you steward what I'm giving you? I just think of a life potential. Do you really want to get into your sixties, seventies, eighties, and nineties and go, man, the thing I was talented in the most, I never did anything with. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, it's not wow. even it's not even that lost regret, but it's like how much we could change the earth uh, yeah. if we just, what if every Christian just decided to become an eminent scientist or really went for the sports thing or really became, a, you know, started the businesses they were going to start and hired the people and brought the kingdom and the values of God into that thing and got into policy and got into education yeah. and started changing it, we would have a very different earth. Yeah. And and that's the, that's the plan. Right. And, and we and we got to start with having the expectation for that. It's if we've got a, again if we've got a theology that just says no, you really can't expect that. We've got we've. I just believe we have to get a new theology because I think Jesus is clear and the, and the teachings on the kingdom are clear. 
And this is what I'm fighting for. I am fighting for a, a belief system that's totally scriptural, that doesn't have conflict within itself, that allows me to go for it in that sense and to have that expectation. Because I'm, I'm speaking kind of facetiously. I'm fully convinced of certain things having to do with, with eschatology. Just as a result of my, the last six months of, of, of uh, searching the scriptures out and doing a lot of prayer and just having these internal conflicts. And uh, let's put it this way. I don't mind if I'm wrong. Because the way I'm going to choose to live the rest of my life, and I hope to infect as many people as I possibly can. I'll hand this book out. I'll write books. I'll, I'll, sp- I'll pray. I'll try to model it. But I, I am so excited about, I believe we're on the banks of the Jordan, and the promised land mm-hmm. lies before us. And interesting, in, in Numbers 14, I was just reading this this morning, that, again, this picture that God has for the earth, he's never changed his mind about what he wants to do on this planet and it's man's part in it is integral to that. From Genesis to Revelation, man's role in that is integral. It's what's on God's heart. It's what He's doing. It's what He wants to do. But when the when the when the children of Israel believe, choose to believe the ten spies report and not go in, God was bummed. Moses again intercedes and says, "God, please pardon them. Please forgive them their sin." And the Lord does. This is this is one of those scriptures that has stuck with me. And just this morning, it came alive again. It's like. He goes, okay, I will pardon them. This is God saying this, but as I live, the whole earth will be filled with my glory. It's like, wait a minute. So that was God working his plan even back then, his ultimate goal from the very beginning, you know, fill the earth, multiply, all of that. He goes, I want to fill this planet with my glory. and my, That's my ways, my presence, my people, this big family terrestrial thing. It's going to be awesome. To quote Don Trump, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be really great. It actually really is. But it's like he tried, he wanted to do that through that generation then. He had this vision like, okay, the new, and they, they, they shrunk back. And so he goes, okay, all right, I'll pardon him. But as I live, I'm not giving up on my plan. I'm going to get this earth filled with my glory. And I'm going to do it through human beings operating in faith. And here we are again, as Paul said, those, those scriptures were given to us as an example upon whom the ends of the ages have come. The ends of this age that we're in, I'm talking about, which I believe is the kingdom age. We are on the, we are, we are on the banks of the Jordan, and this, this promised land is before us. And yeah, there's giants, but you know what? We can either choose to shrink back and think that they're the sign of the end, or we can say, nope, they're our food, they're our project, they're what we have to work on and overcome. Let's do it. And, and I love this. I mean, there, there are real challenges. No mm-hmm. question. The earth yeah. has real challenges. Absolutely. We have individual real challenges. That's part of our discipling process, right? He wants us to overcome. He wants us to, to win, you know? And, and, but, but at the end of the day, we've got to be solution-oriented and God-oriented. Well, the Lord left the, the enemies in the, in the Two land. spies version, right? It's like we look at the giants. Are, they, are we grasshoppers and they're giants? Or, or do we have God? You Wait, know? greater is he that is in me, but I'm a grasshopper. Yeah, yeah, and, and so, so I just I love this. It's just we really have to get a different viewpoint, and this is where this negative paradigm has so hampered the church, mm-hmm. where we we see ourselves as gra- grasshoppers and as a doormat, and and the truth is we have everything we need. Everything. Let's go and do it. Yeah. You know, the other thing I just love what you said. The whole you know the the tears. You know, we, we have this us and them mentality mm-hmm. as believers a lot of times. And one of the things I love about you, Michael, is you've never had that in your. I mean, you you love the tears, man. Mm-hmm. The earth you know, people, the, the earth the earth people who are who They're are real. not not in the kingdom. 
and you know you you point out Jim how many scriptural heroes we have that that did this and I I just think we are to really love them and not they're not our enemies they're not quote the enemies of God and and until that final day right and and uh, we're we're just to love them really really love them and we're to be fully integrated God wants us to integrate the weed and the tares right we're just to be plugged mm-hmm. right in he took the he took the yeast right the and the he stuffed it in the middle of the dough he just crammed it in there right. stuck in we are stuck in the Actually middle of this isn't in there i mean that's all it was like he yeah. hit it it's yeah and well, and we're just we're We've got to just stop viewing the world as our enemy. You know, now the world value system is our enemy, but you know, the world is not our enemy, and neither are are the sons of the world. Yeah, no, it's it's funny. I know you mentioned earlier that salt in that day was wasn't a flavor; it was a preservative. But in you know applying it to today, never once have I ever seen anyone sit down to eat. You know, like, what are you having for dinner? Salt. What are you going to put on it? More salt. Right. <laughs> no, exactly. salt, it enhan- salt, it enhances the flavor of the things around it. The thing is, is when you're really being salt in the earth, you will always bring out the best things and the people wow. around you. Ooh. Whether they know God or they don't. Man. You, If you're salt, if you're a salesperson and you're in salt, your sales team is going to do better. Yep. If you're a manager and you're being salt, your wow. team is going to do better. Absolutely. I don't care if you're a doctor or whatever it is. It will... If you are living your life in a con- context that you're being salt to the earth, right. you're, you're always going to make things better. And here's the thing. The the people who recluse, the people who step back and decide not to be salt to the earth, there is one class of people in the New Testament that did that. And they did so in order to protect their own ideals. It's the whole reason people recluse. They don't recluse because they're afraid that they're going to get like catch some infection from the world. They recluse. Because they want to protect their own ideal system. Those were the Pharisees, and they were the only people, except for the disciples, in the entirety wow. of the Gospels that were rebuked by Jesus. Wow. And it was because the Pharisees were refusing to be salt to those around them. And ultimately, it was the Lord's issue with Israel. They reclused. Right. And the our most effective state in the world is to get a job around people who don't love Jesus and don't think like you and love them until they do. Yeah. And you never know, tell them they need to. You know, and right. love them even if they don't. Right. Who right. cares? It's not like our who job cares? Well, we and, care. But. No, I mean, no, really. No, I mean this. Like, I don't. My ultimate goal working with you is not to get you to shift in my belief system. My ultimate goal working with you is A, I want to make money. And then B, my second one is in the process, I'm going to serve you and love you until you start to change and start to wonder. And that whole dialogue begins. My goal is not to change the way you right. think. Right. My goal is simply to love you. Jesus never in the Gospels, in the context of simply loving people, we don't, okay, centurion comes. Right. Centurion comes. The whole statement where Jesus says, I've never seen such great faith. Where's the dialogue right. where Jesus says, I need you to quit being a pagan right. worshiper? Right. Yeah. <laughs> never. Yeah. Jesus never addressed the issue. He simply said, he turns around to everyone who acts like they believe in Jesus and says, that guy has more faith than any of you. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. And no belief systems were yeah. changed. And that's over and over and over and over again in the Gospels. Yeah. I could but tell no, we do stories. want the belief systems. No, you do. The, I know you better than that. No, no. But what I'm saying is the if your agenda is to change someone's beliefs, then it, you will never right. be salt to that person. Our agenda needs to be salt and light. And, and then knowing that their belief the systems will change. The belief systems and, will change. And we, we're happy when they do. Yes. Well, how about this? I mean, you know, for, for evangelism, I mean, we're, we're, we're to be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks. 
<laughs> for the hope that is within us. That means there's supposed to be an observable, for one, we have to be observable with There's an observable, palpable hope that's coming off of us. We're, 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 we're effusing, what's that fragrance? I smell hope in the room. Is that what they're smelling when they're around us? We've got to get, we've got to get alive here. You know? right. I mean, this is, this is, how many people have asked me in the last, you know, 10 days, boy, will you, you are so hopeful, defend yourself, you know, give me, give me a, Give me an excuse for why you're so hopeful, you know. And, and I'd like to say, I actually have had a few people. But <laughs> I would like to see that increase to where when you get you go into a hopeless situation, we're we're people that are bringing the fragrance of hope because mm, it's, it's not awesome. just it's not fake. It's not because we're going to heaven when we die after we go through all this rough stuff. It's because we're, we're children of God that we have the, the God of hope lives in us. So yeah. awesome. Well, we're out of time. Thank you, gentlemen, for being here again, Jim, Michael. Bless you guys.